This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. This is How Do You Do That with Emily Tressida on Joy 94.9, the show answering the questions you didn't even know you had. This week's guest is a program coordinator for the Arts Wellbeing Collective, Matt Hayward. The Arts Wellbeing Collective is an organisation that was created to support performing artists tackling mental health. We talk about why it's important to have an industry-specific place to address mental health awareness why it was important for him to get involved, and how the shifting attitude towards mental health awareness is such a welcome change in society. Just taking the time, if you see somebody who might be behaving in a certain way, let's say, just having a little thought about what potentially could be going on under the surface of that person, and then just in general, asking them if they're okay. Like just asking that little question is such a great stepping stone for people to seeking help. Matt Hayward is a program coordinator at the Arts Wellbeing Collective. What does the collective actually do? The Arts Wellbeing Collective is a mental health program run out of Arts Centre Melbourne, which is specifically tailored to the performing arts industry, performing arts sector. So it was brainchild of the CEO of Arts Centre Melbourne, Claire Spencer, who back in 2017 identified a need that there weren't many prevention programs in place that dealt specifically for performing arts workers. So it was her brainchild and they did a pilot program in 2017 to see what the need was and then identified that it was a very high need for performing arts workers and became a fully funded program in 2018. What exactly does it do? day-to-day? We call ourselves, it's a prevention program primarily. So we work with a lot of psychologists and experts in their field, kind of the shift around mental health more broadly at the moment is identifying the importance of prevention rather than just treating crisis when it presents itself. And so we look at the performing arts industry and practices that maybe don't serve us so well and haven't served us so well for a really long time and then work with organizations and individuals at putting prevention strategies in place to look after people's mental health and well-being when they're at work. So we kind of work in a prevention model but we also have a few other strategies in place that we do. So we offer mental health first aid training as well which is free to any of our members. Membership is also free to be part of the Arts Wellbeing Collective. We didn't want any barriers to help seeking at all for any arts workers. And we also, a couple of years ago, partnered with Support Act to fund a free 24-7 helpline for arts workers that end up in crisis. Wow. So that's operating right now, a 24-hour yeah. hotline. 24, seven days a week, free with specifically trained clinicians to identify all the possible needs that might come up with someone who works in the performing arts industry um, so that they have a context for some of the challenges that we face. I guess we've identified sometimes barriers to arts workers seeking help is that clinicians might not understand our specific points of reference or our specific context. So we wanted to remove those kind of barriers to anybody that needed to seek help. 
And what is your role at the collective? That's a really great question. (laughs) (laughs) My official title is project coordinator, so I coordinate some projects. But basically, I've been tasked with running mental health first aid. So I've recently myself become a mental health first aid instructor. So I've started rolling out teaching courses myself. But in the last three years, we have trained... 257 people in mental health first aid in the art sector, which is really amazing, all free of charge. So that's one of my main projects, but then also I've helped develop specific resources that we have. So we had a, a identified a need from our member organizations that there wasn't really anything in place to help people look after their mental health and well-being when they were on tour on the road. It was one of these things that we all just kind of accepted that when we're on tour, that our mental health is going to suffer and we're like hang on a second why should we just why should that be something that we accept so we set about uh, putting together a resource to help people look after themselves when they're on tour which we called tour well engaging top professionals in their field to address problems like sleeping when you're on tour exercise but also coping when you're away from your support networks and your support system so we developed that and put that into a a resource that none of us were actually quite sure about how successful it was going to be we were surprised about how successful it was a year after it was released it's been sent out as a hard copy to more than 10,000 of our member organizations and downloaded as a pdf more than 60,000 times from wow. all over the world. Yeah. And so you, that was part of your job? Yeah, that was one of the things I did. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. How did you become involved with the Arts Wellbeing Collective? I'm also a professional performer. Uh, back when I was doing Les Mis in 2015, a research study came out that was commissioned by Victoria University into the mental health of performing arts workers. There was about 4,000 participants from members of the whole sector. So not just actors and performers, but front of house staff, stage crew, and identified that the mental health of the performing arts sector was, as you can imagine, suffering quite a bit. I identified that levels of severe anxiety and depression were four times higher than the general population, and suicide ideation was 10 times higher than the general population. So a few of us in the industry when that came out, we're just like, why is nobody talking about this within our sector? It seems so strange. So we set about doing a mental health awareness concert, which we called Out From Under. It was hosted by Julia's Miro, and we had two psychologists that we kind of worked with on the project to kind of identify and unpack why some of those stats are the way they are. It was a really big success. It was, I felt like it did exactly what we wanted it to do, which was to start a bit of a conversation about the state of mental health in the performing arts sector. So Claire Spencer, who was the CEO of ArtSense Melbourne, sent me an email one day saying that she loved the premise of what we're doing and she would like to buy 100 tickets for anybody that works at ArtCentre Melbourne so that there wasn't a barrier for them to come in to the concert, which I just thought was absolutely amazing. And I think it was from there that Claire became very familiar with me and kind of the work that I was doing, I guess, just in an advocacy space as far as mental health goes. And that led her and Tracy, who is the head of program at the Arts Centre Melbourne, to reach out to me to become involved in the Arts Wellbeing Collective. So I started doing contract work for them while I was still performing and then became a permanent project coordinator last year. 
So Matt was an advocate for mental health awareness in the performing arts before he became involved with the Arts Wellbeing Collective. What was he doing before he started working there? I trained in music theatre, went to university, and my first show out of uni was the original Australian cast of Mamma Mia, which was really cool. Auditioned by Bjorn from ABBA, which was wild. wild. <laughs> um, yeah, and so, yeah, it was my first job out of uni was singing ABBA songs eight times a week for two and a half years, and that's kind of where I started. So I've had a very fortunate career, went on to other awesome shows like The Producers, Mary Poppins, Les Mis, My Fair Lady, directed by Dame Julie Andrews, and most recently, Billy Elliot, which was um, killed by COVID. So do you think that your work in musical theatre and all of the experience that you had pre-jumping on board at the Arts Wellbeing Collective, do you think that's informed what you do there in any way? And if so, how? Yeah, absolutely. I I guess I have such a specific point of reference to the challenges that, that we face mm-hmm. in the sector and working there for 20 years. <laughs> yeah, I've seen the challenges and... and and I guess when that when that research came out in 2015, I was not remotely surprised at the levels of the impact of mental health and well-being in our sector. So I guess it absolutely informs kind of everything I do because I'm so aware of those challenges and you probably felt some of them. Absolutely felt yeah. them myself. And I guess I can only speak to big commercial music theatre, but that schedule is relentless. So it's six days a week, eight shows a week. Often you're away from your family and friends. You're on tour for a year at a time. And while it sounds super cool and exciting at the start, you then realize that you have to do it again and again and again and again and again and again. again. Performance pressure, but then also those gigs end and you worry and stress about where your next job is coming from. And yes, I think it gave me a really informed base to help people. So with the lived experience of what it is his work is trying to combat and support, I asked Matt why he thinks the Arts Wellbeing Collective is important. Working in the performing arts sector, you always feel a little bit isolated from the rest of like the normal world in inverted commas anyway, you know, like a lot of people don't really understand what we do anyway. So to have a program that exists that is just specifically for us that gets us and understands the pressures that we're experiencing, the unique context of our work, I think is really so strong. And also kind of not just leading the way for our sector, but actually kind of leading the way for all sectors. We are the only program of its kind in the world. So we get a lot of people reaching out from overseas who want to understand how the program works and get involved. But you look around at other sectors that have high pressures, you know, every sector has its own unique pressures, but to have one that, you know, exists just for your context is really important, yeah. And why is it important to you specifically, Matt Haywood? I have always kind of been that person that people feel comfortable coming up and speaking to about what they're going through. And I guess I've just kind of naturally been that person for the last 10 years or so. So I had a really unique understanding that there was a need out there about the challenges that we face. So to be involved in a program that I feel is really proactive and really doing something in a prevention space to kind of shift the narrative around 
what we expect business practices. We accept these business practices that have been around for a really long time. There's this accepted notion in in theater that you're lucky to be working or you should just be grateful that you have a job when the reality is it's sure it's sure it's a cool job but it's a job it's our work and everybody has a right to feel safe and secure and supported in their workplace and theater world shouldn't be any different to that so that's one of the things that i'm most passionate about is like making workplaces safe and um, mentally healthy places to go to work every day. What do you think the best part about your job is? I really love connecting with the professionals that we're all connected with. So there's psychologists who are just so good at what they do and so such great communicators. And I love picking up anything that I can from those guys, but also just seeing, seeing what we do make a difference in individuals' worlds, but also in organizations' worlds, makes it makes it it's really satisfying to me. What's the not so great part about what you do? Is there a not so great part? Yes. Seeing some business practices that everybody knows isn't serving people in the right way, not changing just because they don't have to. I would love to see a shift in the way we treat each other from an organizational perspective not just because it becomes mandated and legal, you know, like the shift in physical health and safety where you had to take down cords in case people tripped over them and it was all about prevention space. I'd love to see organisations kind of accept that as a thing that they could prevent people's mental health injuries themselves rather than waiting for the government to mandate it, which will come in the next few years. Yeah, so what you're saying is, the worst part is there is this help available and sometimes businesses are like, well, I'm not going to do it until you twist my arm. Yes. And that's frustrating. Yeah. Because you can see the importance of it and it clearly does help. Yeah. And it's kind of like, it's silly not to. A hundred percent. So while not everybody is on board with the importance of mental health support and that frustrates Matt, there's plenty he loves about his job. I wanted to know if there's been a moment since working there that validates what he and the Arts Wellbeing Collective does. Yeah, uh, for me personally, it was after I'd done the mental health first aid training. So when you do mental health first aid, you kind of address two different ways of looking at people with mental health problems. So it's, it's identifying when a developing mental health problem is happening, but also how to deal with people who are in crisis. And one of those skills that you learn is about how to deal with people when they're having a panic attack. And I've seen a bunch of panic attacks happen around the workplace before, more than there probably should be. But it was about two weeks after I'd done the training, I was doing a show in which the producers hadn't allowed enough time properly rehearse the show, not enough time to tech the show, certainly not enough time to um, have any kind of dress rehearsal. So everybody was stressed. There was not one person in that in that process, including the producers, that weren't that weren't stressed. So I was like, why are we doing this? Anyway, I walked into work one day and saw one of our stage management team having a, a full-blown panic attack and nobody knew what to do. And I was like, oh I'm trained in this. I know what to do. So I just dropped my bag and walked over and administered mental health first aid and saw it work instantly. And they were skills that I didn't have two weeks before that. And I was so grateful at that moment that I had this training and that I could help somebody 
Here, Matt and I have a really open and honest conversation about why sometimes mental health isn't treated the same as other injuries. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I think that a lot of people think that because you can't see, it's not like a cut or a broken limb. So because you can't see that pain or that moment of uncertainty or whatever it is that leads you to a crisis point, because it's not visible, I think a lot of people don't see the importance of it. But I love that in 2021, it is very much more talked about and it's organizations like your organization that are going to make it even more visible. And the more people know, the more people know, you know? Exactly right. And you're, you're so right in that certainly if there was any kind of silver lining from last year, from 2020, it's that mental health literacy, I think, has improved a little bit because it had to, because all of a sudden there were so many more people that were experiencing things that they may not have ever experienced before or had friends or family that were experiencing things that they never had before because everybody was impacted by this freak show in one way or another. But yeah, I, there's, a, there's an analogy that some people use, which is like, if you had a cast on your arm or you had a moon boot on because you'd broken something like people make allowances for that when you're out and about they'll like hold a door for you or they'll like you know offer a seat for you Mm -hmm. because they they can see it but yeah you never ever know what is bubbling under the surface for somebody and it is little things like it's things like mental health first aid and certainly some of the stuff in our program where you just start to think about that more think about what actually might be going on for somebody and what they might be going through that you have no idea about i think empathy is a really good part of it and it is really nice that dialogue more people are openly talking about mental health now as well which is really wonderful because it's not as taboo to admit that you're not feeling okay that shift i agree i think it's happened more broadly in the whole community but certainly in and out in our performing arts community certainly maybe even just in the last five years like there was such a stigma around it particularly as an employee Mm -hmm. to have anything I remotely identified as a mental health problem but I I do feel hopeful that that stigma is a lot less than it used to be and I feel like that shift has happened relatively quickly actually in a five-year turnaround that's actually pretty pretty amazing and for people to kind of know what anxiety is and know what depression is and know how to talk about it and know what strategies might work for them or other people and actually voice it I think is really powerful. What would you tell an artist that may be struggling and they're thinking about connecting with the collective but they're not exactly ready to go? I think never be afraid to voice what is going on for you. I think that is that's the most powerful weapon you have against things like anxiety where you actually you lessen its power when you speak about it you allow it to grow if you just bottle it up and keep it inside for any kind of young performer that's starting out i would just make sure that they knew that our website exists and a whole bunch of the resources that are on the website that they can read but also make sure that they know about the support act well-being helpline and how to access it especially knowing that there's really no problem too small to ring up and talk about it doesn't have to be you feeling like you're in a crisis point to reach out you can reach out about anything Mm -hmm. and those clinicians are there and ready to chat. The number to call if you'd like to access the Support Act Wellbeing Hotline is 1-800-959-500. That's 1-800-959-500. 
Finally, I asked Matt if he thinks he'll be working for the Arts Wellbeing Collective forever. Now he's sort of shifted from being on stage to helping those who, like him, perform, I wondered if he thought that shift was permanent. As you know, like working in the arts can feel like you've got no sense of security and certainly COVID just highlighted those aspects for everybody. Like everybody lost their work. The sector completely disappeared. There's certainly something to be said for feeling secure in employment, but also in employment that I feel like is doing something super worthwhile. So for the foreseeable future, I can see myself in this space. I really I'm really excited about a bunch of the things that we have coming up, a bunch of the things that we're working on that I think are really important. And also we were highlighted in the Victorian Royal Commission into Mental Health that came out earlier this year. And I'm really excited about the shift that I think is happening in mental health in general, certainly as far as the Victorian government is concerned. They have agreed to basically implement all of the recommendations from the commission. And I feel like in this space where I am now, we actually have a little bit of role to play in that. So yeah, I can see myself doing it for the foreseeable future, for sure. I'd like to thank Matt Haywood for being on the show. It was really inspiring to hear about an organisation that's sole purpose was helping and supporting those in its industry with mental health. I learned a lot about the value of mental health first aid and how being in an industry and seeing where the anxieties and problems lay can help in creating ways to fix those problems. If you would like more info about the Arts Wellbeing Collective, head to artswellbeingcollective.com.au and the Support Act Wellbeing Hotline number again is 1800 959 500. Thanks for listening to another episode of How Do You Do That with Emily Tresseter. If you think you or someone you know would make a great guest on the show, get in touch. Email howdoyoudothat at joy.org.au. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.